We are getting to that time of the season because 11-game NBA slate and a whole bunch of players on the injury report. A lot of rest situations. We're starting to get players shut down. You guys are going to want to keep up with everything on the NBA injury report. So like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're going to be having everything covered when it comes to the NBA injury report and all the best value plays on stuff like the Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock. Also check out FanUp, who's sponsoring the NBA injury report. You head on over to the FanUp app. Use the promo code AWESOME when you sign up. Get 25 bucks for free as well as $20 in site credit. Now let's dive right into this NBA injury report, Adam, because like I said, it is a long one. And let's start with the most recent news, because the Golden State Warriors, yesterday Steve Kerr indicated there was a chance that we would see no rest guys here on the tail end of back-to-back. Of course, that didn't end up being the case now that we have the, the most recent updated injury report. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Otto Porter Jr. are all going to be out today. We've seen the Warriors do some weird things with their rotations on tail end of back-to-backs with players resting, but what stands out to you here? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely opens up value. Obviously, it's a difficult spot against Miami, but um, with Curry already out, then you take Thompson's usage out of the lineup as well. Jordan Poole should take on an even bigger role than he already has been. Same can be said for Andrew Wiggins. But then you're also likely to get increased playing time for Jonathan Kaminga, who's only 4,100. No Draymond and no Porter uh, should help him out. Potentially more minutes for... I, I don't know, um, Gary Payton or Damian Lee or Moses Moody or some other guy that Steve Kerr invents between now and the time the game starts. But, um, you know, the, the point being that you Kerr, Kerr typically will go pretty deep into his bench, but they are missing enough guys today where he doesn't have that many options. You know, it's kind of a matter of like, you know, how much does Toscano Anderson play or Damian Lee or Payton? But um, there's enough guys out that he can't get too creative, I don't think. Yeah, and uh, then the game starts to be like Chris Chioza starting a point guard, and he plays 30 minutes. Steve, when there's a will, there's a way. Uh, But we'll see. The starting lineup is going to dictate a whole bunch. Mannion comes back or whatever his name was. (laughs) Sean Mannion, I don't remember. I I wouldn't be surprised if it impacts the other side of this game either because we see a pretty extensive injury report for the Miami Heat with Butler, Martin, Hero, and Oladipo all being listed as questionable. I have to think the Heat are a little less apt to play guys that are iffy considering all the players who are out for the Warriors, like do do the Heat need to play Jimmy Butler to win this game? In all likelihood, they don't. So because of what we've seen with the Warriors, I think we're more likely to see these guys sit. If this does end up being the case with guys like Butler and Hero are out, what are you expecting from the Heat? Yeah, and I, I kind of go back and forth on that because like, I agree with your logic, but also with this being a home game for Miami, I t- tend to think teams are a little bit less inclined to put on a crappy performance for their home fans. Um, but if... Like if Butler is out, you're looking at increased production for Adebayo, increased playing time and production for Hero and Lowry. Um, if Martin is in and Butler is out, you could certainly get more playing time for for Martin. If they're all out, you're probably getting more minutes from Max Struess, uh, Markeith Morris, maybe P.J. Tucker, guys like that. So um, it's kind of similar to Golden State, I think, in that there's a few guys that clearly benefit. And then you're kind of rolling the dice on some other cheap pieces and just hoping that the rotation works out in your favor. Yeah, and this is a key team also that's gone with a number of different starting lineups. So another one, check out our content later in the day. We're going to be, we're going to have a better idea of who's starting for the Heat and just who's in or not. Uh, to me, I think Bam Adebayo, who's not listed on the injury report, would be the clear benefactor if all these players are out just from a usage standpoint. We've seen some big games from Butler without Jimmy Butler this year. And then also if you took Tyler Hero off the court, would you agree that he would be the number one guy from at least a usage standpoint? Adebayo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- if Hero plays, I think Hero probably has the highest usage rate, but it would be one of those two. 
All right, let's move over to Atlanta, where we saw some guys on the injury report yesterday. And same situation with Bogdan Bogdanovich being listed as questionable, but we've got Danilo Gallinari out now also. Probably more of a rest game than anything else since they played yesterday, tail end of back-to-back. Gallo being a little bit older with a long injury history. So there's going to be no Gallo, no John Collins, no Lou Williams either, in addition to Bogdanovich being questionable. If Bogdanovich isn't able to go in a plus matchup against the Pistons, who are the top value options on the wings for, for Atlanta? So I think that you get more minutes from DeLon Wright one way or another. I wouldn't be surprised, even if Bogdanovich is able to go, if DeLon Wright is in the starting lineup in place of Gallo and everybody moves down a position. Um, we've seen that before. Alternatively, you could get TLC at 3K flat in the starting lineup. If Bogdanovich is also out, then it's kind of the same thing, but you know, even more solidified minutes for DeLon Wright and TLC because they'd be getting pretty shorthanded off the bench. You know, Behind them, you're basically just talking about guys like Kevin Knox, Jalen Johnson, um, if he's even with the team, which he appears to be. But, you know, guys that clearly don't belong in an NBA rotation at this point. Yeah. It, it, by the way, you hit on something that's one of my favorite parts of this. By favorite, I, I say that uh, ironically. My favorite part of this part of, of this part of the season is, oh, is this guy in the G League or is he on the NBA <laughs> roster? And it's something yeah. that is kind of hard to find information on from reporters where there's something that's just like, oh, is is Devontae Kaycock going to be playing centers in the G League? Is Luca Garza going to be playing center or is he in the G League? Stuff that kind of matters when we're trying to figure out which guys at the end of the bench are going to be playing, you know, like yeah, 10 to 12 minutes and not being there. It's one of those things that like, because like you don't, a lot of times you won't remember to look for it in the morning because like somebody's not questionable yet. And then later in the day, like they won't be on the injury report, but um, or or they will be or whatever, but like you don't even think to look for it. But um, yeah, like you'll get it is something to pay attention to where like you can look in the morning. It just happened the other day with I don't remember who, um, but there was somebody. Oh, it was with uh, it was Garza. No, it was on um, it was it was the Knicks yesterday with McBride. Uh, in the morning oh, okay. they listed him as out with the G League team, and then at some point in the day, I'm assuming they took him off the injury report because he very definitely played in yesterday's game. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, he didn't do this intentionally, but we could transition right to the Knicks now, which because uh, we have the same situation today that we had yesterday, which is Julius Randle not expected to play, hasn't officially been ruled out, but he's doubtful. So for all intents and purposes. I take those guys out of my projections in that kind of spot. In addition, there is still no Nerlens Noel or Derek Rose for the Knicks. Uh, what did you see from the Knicks yesterday, and how do you think that's going to carry over to today? Because Obi Toppin was a massive value play yesterday. He paid out relative to his salary, but he didn't get the minutes we were expecting. Yeah, so there's kind of two takeaways there for me. One, we saw that Obi Toppin could conceivably just not play in the fourth quarter. I think that's something that we had talked about. You know, we had said that they could easily go to some RJ Barrett at the four lineups. Um, and you saw them close with uh, actually Gibson was out there. Gibson and Robinson were both out there together to close, which is kind of unusual. Um, but you could also just get lineups where, you know, they go with, let's say, Burks, Fournier, or Burks quickly, Fournier, Barrett. Uh, Robinson. So there's no guarantee that Toppin's in those closing lineups. But yesterday just reiterated how r- ridiculously bad this price tag is on Obi Toppin because he played 10 minutes less than like, I, I don't think his median projection was 34 minutes. I think it was around 30. But even so, like, so he played six minutes less than his median projection. He played 10 to 12 minutes less than you could have, you know, reasonably made a case he would play. And he still 8x to salary. And then today he's $200 more expensive. Yeah, so I think kind of what we're looking at here is Obi Toppin, still a very high priority play, 
but probably not quite as strong as a play as we had yesterday, just because there's so many more value plays on the slate. And it's reasonable to project Obi Toppin for a lot less minutes today than what we did yesterday. Uh, But also, let me see our updated ownership right now to see where we have Toppin. I'm kind of curious to see. Oh, we just got one from four minutes ago, so that'll be helpful as well. We currently have Toppin projected for... 35 percent ownership so still coming in pretty popular on dk fanduys project for 27 percent ownership that, that actually seems about fair to me uh what's your take on him relative to that ownership yeah it's it's fair to me too because one thing that stands out about Toppin as well is that there is a lot of value on the slate like you said but most of it is at the guard positions um like even earlier i went through just by hand to build a, a quick dummy lineup and you know just kind of i'd already done the morning show and i knew like what plays i liked and i'm going through building and it's like okay, well, I need to narrow down from these 15 guards, and also I can't find one single forward that I really want to put in here. So uh, it does just make it really easy from a roster construction standpoint to still prioritize Toppin. Yeah, and one of those spots where we're going to find value, particularly at the guard position, the Sacramento Kings, DeMontis Sabonis, he's not expected to play again this season. De'Aaron Fox, he's been listed as doubtful. Kings reporters have indicated there's a pretty good chance that Fox and Sabonis are shut down for the rest of the season as the team starts to look to tank. Not, I think, what they were looking to do when they traded for Sabonis at the trade deadline, but this is the way things go sometimes. No, it's just what everyone with a functioning <laughs> brain outside of Sacramento knew they should do. Yeah, and my favorite thing also, if you tweet anything negative about the Kings or anything positive about Tyrese Halliburton, Kings, I can't believe Kings fans are so loyal to this team still. Where they're just what has that Twitter. team done to build loyalty? Exactly. People come in, they're like, no, 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 this was great for us. Meanwhile, the team is getting outscored. Like The net rating is minus 8.9 since they traded for Sabonis one of the worst teams in the league. So it hasn't been going well for them. Yeah. And I, know, I think, I think you and I talked about it. Um, one of the things I've enjoyed the most just from NBA Twitter this, this season was when that trade happened, every single account that I follow that had an opinion on it had a negative opinion for the Kings, except for the two Sacramento Kings beat writers that I follow that were just like <laughs> in love with adding the Sabonis and like getting off of buddy Heald's deal or whatever. It was like, you guys are either employed by the team or you are just like high because this is unbelievably bad. Uh, so that kind of reminds me, and, and then we'll get back to this because I know we have a lot of injuries to hit on. But when I worked with Josh Lloyd at Basketball Monster, he he works for the uh, you know Locked On Podcast Network, and he is their flagship show. And he did um, uh, he used to do team preview. He does team previews every year. And I remember he would have the beat writers on and at the end he would always close with making them pick the over-unders for the win totals for the team. And I remember tracking it in 29 out of 30 of the beat writers took the over on the win totals for the team. So it just kind of shows how biased people could be when they're talking about their favorite teams or the teams they cover. But at least for today, we are going to want to roster Kings players because with Sabonis and Fox likely not playing for the rest of the season, there's a whole lot of value here. Davion Mitchell, Trey Lyles, Dante DiVincenzo, these guys all stand out. Uh, what stands out the most to you, though? Um, Mitchell <clears throat> Mitchell, and Jones stand out the most just because uh, Davion Mitchell gets a really sizable bump in his rates when he plays without Fox or Sabonis or Halliburton. Uh, and the Halliburton piece obviously is important because if you're just looking at his rates without Fox, Sabonis, uh, they, they're still good, but they're nowhere near what they are when you take Halliburton off as well. You get around a 24.5% usage rate and the assist percentage. He's averaged a fantasy point per minute. It's a good matchup. He should play a lot of minutes. One other thing that is really nice about Mitchell is that he just kind of like, he fits every role. Like at every, I don't know how to word what I'm trying to say, but like no matter what the Kings are trying to do, Davion Mitchell should be on the floor basically. Like he's one of their young players that actually has potential. So 
he they should want him to play minutes, but he's also one of the most competent players they have. So like he's also just a natural replacement to De'Aaron Fox when Fox is out. So it, it's just a spot where the minutes feel very, very secure for him, barring injury or foul trouble. Uh, Damian Jones, you know, good fantasy producer, good spot. He's been the backup to Sabonis, so I expect him to – I expect him to start. Uh, the last time I think Sabonis was out, I don't know if it was the last time I know, one of the last couple of times, uh, Len got the start and – Jones still played way more minutes and did way better. Um, but Jones at 3,700, I think, looks great. Uh, but then, you know, DiVincenzo, Barnes, Metu at 3,400, Lamb at 3,300. There's still paths to success for all of these guys as well. Yeah, and we'll see what the starting lineup looks like. If I mean, if they're going to shut down Fox and Sabonis, who knows how much longer Barnes is going to play this season. So we'll see what the starting lineup looks like. And it's funny because they are playing against the Indiana Pacers today, and you would think, oh, look, we're going to get the Halliburton-Sabonis grudge match here. We're going to find out who got the better end of the trade. No Sabonis, and Halliburton's listed as questionable. So Halliburton's questionable. Isaiah Jackson is questionable. Chris Duarte is questionable. This is obviously a game that has potential for massive amounts of fantasy points. The total is 235, and we could see almost entirely cheap players going in this game. So if Halliburton, Jackson, and Duarte do end up sitting for Indiana, who are the best value plays? So Brogdon, not you know, not a value in the sense of being really cheap, but I think Brogdon ends up looking really good in that situation because you know then you're talking about Brogdon playing without Levert, without Sabonis, without Halliburton. Around a 30% usage rate this year, a very high assist percentage as well. He's likely to play 34 minutes or so in a good spot. So he's someone that would go from, I think, looking like a pretty solid option anyway to a really, really good mid-range option. Um, and then you get to play the guessing game of Dwayne Washington, Lance Stevenson, Kiefer Sykes, Justin Anderson, like who the hell plays the most minutes uh, that can kind of vary game by game. Typically, you know, whoever starts is going to be who you give the edge to uh, minutes wise from a point per minute standpoint, you know, Washington Stevenson, well, Stevenson, number one, followed by like Washington Sykes and then Justin Anderson, uh, not particularly good, but uh, whoever starts, I, you know, I feel the best about their minutes. All right, the injury news keeps on coming. A few more key spots to hit on this slate. Next, the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant remains out for the team. I know he missed last game, but the pricing algorithm, surprisingly, hasn't gone and been really aggressive with Tyus Jones. So Tyus Jones still only $4,300 over on FanDuel. On DraftKings, Tyus Jones is priced at $4,600. Just not a correct price point for a guy who probably deserves to be somewhere around the 6K range on both sides without Morant. So how high of a priority is Tyus Jones for you and who else stands out for Memphis? He He's very high because like you said, it is just a mispricing. And it's weird because mo for the most part, the rest of Memphis, they're not overpriced, but they've, they're where they should be more or less. Uh, Jones, just a complete mispricing. The one thing that I would say is that you still should pay attention to the ownership there because there are so many good guard plays today, you know, as I've already mentioned that yes, Jones should be popular, but. Um, you, you should definitely be paying attention to, you know, if you do get a gap in ownership where either Jones is more popular than guys like Davion Mitchell or a lot less popular or whatever and adjust accordingly. But um, Jones, you know, should play north of 30 minutes, averages about 0.85 DraftKings points per minute when he shares the floor with Brooks and Jackson minus Morant. So uh, very clearly one of the best point per dollar values. In the second half of the season, one of the teams that's been more difficult to figure out the guard rotations for is the Orlando Magic, just because they've gotten Markel Fultz back, and it's been a little congested in terms of the guys they've had out there. But it gets a little simpler today because Markel Fultz is resting. Jalen Suggs is out. In addition, we have Gary Harris questionable. Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable. 
So we have two things to attack from Orlando, from the Orlando side. First, what the backcourt, who stands out without Fultz and Suggs in the mix. And then the front court, do we want to get to Mo Bomb if Wendell Carter Jr. is out? So first, Adam, starting with the backcourt, how much does this shore up the minutes for Cole Anthony? So I think that Fultz being out is likely to add at least a couple of minutes to, to Cole Anthony. Um, for what it's worth, I mean, he has still struggled over the last month. And also, it's not just that he's... Uh, shooting poorly, his usage rate is down. Even yesterday, he had like an 18.5% usage rate. But, you know, taking faults out shouldn't do anything to hurt Anthony. Uh, they're, they're not playing many, if any, minutes. They're, they're not playing many minutes alongside each other. Um, but we know Fultz is a high usage guy and then also potentially cutting in the Anthony's minutes a little bit. So I do think it makes him look a little a little bit better. If Carter is out, then that's potentially more usage for Anthony as well. Um, but then this team also has the potential to be a spot that opens up a lot of value, and that's always scary because Orlando is not very good. But like Gary Harris isn't an important part or an important piece in the sense that you know he only plays 20 to 22 minutes per game. But you take out his 20 minutes, you take out Fultz's 20 minutes, and now you're looking at, you know, for one, Terrence Ross probably getting back into the rotation, but for two, uh, potentially more minutes for somebody like Chumo Kiki, who played 24 minutes yesterday, but that we, who we know that, you know, they like to give minutes to. Uh, maybe more minutes for RJ Hampton, who played 27 yesterday. You know, maybe you pick up an extra four or five for him. So this is a team that uh, has the potential to open up quite a bit of value. Couple spots left. Both of them are going to be important. The other one is the Oklahoma City Thunder. SGA is questionable. I'm surprised they're still running him out there. We've seen this team be really, really conservative when it comes to injuries because they're building for the future. They're not trying to win now, which is why we've had guys like Josh Kiddie. He's been out for an extended period of time. Kenneth Williams, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Mike Muscala, Ty Jerome, Lou Dort. They've all been ruled out for the season. Now, the, the report we got from the other day is that SGA has been battling ankle soreness after every single game that OKC has played over the last couple of weeks. With that in mind, I think SGA is probably more likely to sit than play against the Magic today. Also that, you know, this game has important implications in terms of draft positioning where you've got two of the, you know, worst teams in the league kind of jockeying for ping pong balls. So I don't think SGA plays. Uh, are you on the same page as that? And then also if he does sit, who benefits the most? Uh, no, I mean, not really the same page. Like, I, I agree with you, but I still think it's more likely he plays than he doesn't uh, okay. just because he's been playing most times he's questionable. Um, it wouldn't be surprising, though, if, uh, the, the the main argument that I, I agree with and that makes me think it's closer to 50-50 is like that they are playing Orlando. It wouldn't be surprising if both of these teams just say, oh, well, Wendell Carter is not going to play. And they're like, OK, well, Shea's <laughs> not going to play. Um, so you could definitely see that happening. Uh, but, you know, he has been questionable a lot recently and then playing through it. If he plays, I think he looks great. If he doesn't play, it's a bump for Trey Mann at 5,200. It makes Baisley and Pokashevsky look a little bit better. Uh, Teo Maladon at 3,300 becomes a viable value option. So it, it does open some stuff up here, even if it's not stuff you're going to feel super confident with. Yeah, and uh, once again, that's something with the Oklahoma City Thunder where they have a lot of guys out. It would be a thin rotation if SGA is out. Now the biggest injury on the entire slate and what we're going to close with, Luka Doncic is out tonight. He has been a monster in the second half of the season ever since they traded away Kristaps Porzingis. Something else of note, Spencer Dinwiddie, who is terrible with, with your Washington Wizards, Completely different player now that he's on yeah. Dallas. He looks good again. I don't know what the hell is going on with him in Washington, but he looks really good tonight. Jalen Brunson looks good. Dorian Finney-Smith. There's a whole lot of good-looking value plays for Dallas, not just because Luke is out, but also because they have a really good matchup against the Houston Rockets. Who are the players from Dallas that you envision yourself getting the most exposure to? Yeah, I'm really glad that I already love Christoph Porzingis, or I'd be pretty <laughs> upset about what is going on with Dinwiddie now. But, uh, yeah, this team ends up looking really good because, for one, they have – 
you know, good matchup against Houston, but pricing hasn't adjusted. You know, Bronson at 6,700, Dinwiddie at 6,400. They're both likely to play into the mid-30s in minutes. When they share the floor, uh, you know, limited sample, obviously, since Dinwiddie hasn't been there that long. But when they've shared the floor without Luka this year, you're still looking at um, a little bit over a fantasy point per minute for Bronson, like 1.2 to 1.25 fantasy points per minute for Dinwiddie. But I also expect that they'll have their minutes staggered so that, you know, one of them is always on the floor, uh, or at least for most of the time. So you'd be looking at around, you know, a third of their minutes without the other one, which just means even more production. So they both look great, but then the other like main rotation pieces for Dallas look a little bit better as well, because not only is Luca a high usage, you know, high assist guy, but he's also a very good rebounder. Dwight Powell has a 14% rebounding percentage without Luca or Porzingis on the floor this year. He's 4,800 in a good matchup. Reggie Bullock is not a good point per minute guy, but he's in a good matchup and likely to play a ton of minutes here. Maxi Kleba could certainly uh, pick up some extra run and he's not a bad um, fantasy producer either. One other thing to mention about Kleba, because this is actually a rematch of the game that was in the DraftKings Live Final, where like 60% of the field got destroyed by Kleba playing four minutes. Um, don't read into that game if you're somebody that does go back and like look at previous games for, for matchups, um, because for one, Kleba was in foul trouble immediately. But for two, that was a game where Christian Wood was out. So Houston was playing small with KJ Martin and Shangun, whereas re in recent games, you've been getting a nice chunk of Shangun alongside Wood, which is good for Maxi's potential playing time. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. So, uh, other sides of the game that could also impact the Dallas side, and a lot is going to change later on the day. Anything that you guys have a question about, leave in the comment section below. Also, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out the deeper dive in live before lock. There's going to be a lot more content coming up. Good luck tonight, guys.